And hello everybody, welcome to the Go Home Wrestling Show. My name is EJ alongside with me is my tag team partner, D-Ship. Ah. Still here. Yeah, you're still here and so am I. And uh, I mean, apparently tw- uh, wrestling Twitter is still alive after this past week. A lot of things that people are unhappy with, we'll cover that. Of course, we're going to be talking about Money in the Bank, Monday Night Raw, and of course, SmackDown Live. Uh we're going to be covering the top five of each of those, oh, besides Money in the Bank. We're going to go in depth with Money in the Bank, but top five of Raw and SmackDown. So let's get right into it. Let's go right into Money in the Bank. Let and me do a side note real quick. Sure, go ahead. Not on your rundown. I don't even want to talk about the match, really, but was I the only one that did not realize the SmackDown titles were not on the line on that kickoff match? I thought it was. I thought they were too. They, but, I think they said it on the show. <laughs> I know that that's the only thing. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought that was the first misstep of the night. Yeah, there were a few with a little referee uh, screw ups, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good show. So we'll get into it. Uh, we're gonna basically how we're gonna cover is that we're gonna go over each match, give it a brief description of whether we liked it or not, and then we're gonna quickly uh, rate it. Uh, and then at the end, we're going to pretty much rate the whole show. But so that, we're going to go in order from the main card. We're not going to talk about the tag team match in pre, uh, the pre-show. So we're going to start off with the women's money in the bank match. And I mean, what a way to kick off a, of course, the money in the bank pay-per-view. I thought it was a great move by WWE doing it the way they did it. Um, and very entertaining match. I was into it. There was nothing that was in a disconnect to me. Um, but, jeez, uh, I mean, barely won. And let me remind you, and you can see it on Twitter, I changed my prediction because when, um, obviously, Alexis Bliss was taken out of the event, so I switched it and said that barely would win it. There's no one more deserving than her if you take it away from, uh, you know, if Bliss wasn't in it. So, I did get that right. <laughs> but overall, I thought it was a great match. What did you think of the match, uh, D-Shep? Thank God Ember Moon did not win. Oh, damn. Uh, really? Well, main reason she creeped me out. Uh, but the only That's thing that really stood out for me, because naturally they didn't have the amazing big spots like the men's match did. Yeah. But Carmella. Whatever happened with Mandy Rose during that match, that was not planned, Carmella's reaction. That was total, total shoot in the middle of the match. I would not be surprised if Carmella has heat after that. Because uh, I'm sitting there watching. She keeps slapping her in her way, and then Mandy throws up her arms like, what the fuck are you doing? Just like, okay, yeah, I might have messed up, but what the fuck are you doing? Right, so that was awkward. Uh, I was kind of rooting for Mandy towards the end, though. I thought it was kind of cool how Sonya was cool, uh, taking her up the ladder. But then Bailey, which you haven't seen in about 10 minutes or so of the match, it felt like, came up there, won it. Uh, as far as most deserving, she probably has to be right up there with people like Naomi or Dana is who I wanted to win. But that was more of a hard pick. I was understanding that she wasn't going to win that probably but happy for Bailey. yeah and honestly you everyone was complaining like 
ever since Bailey came up from the NXT roster. Like, what she did down there was really good. Uh, and from there, I mean, like, she... Even though she's won all the titles, she is the first Grand Slam winner. She hasn't got the reaction that... For what she hasn't got the reaction to what you saw Sunday night. That was a great reaction, and honestly, and you'll, we'll discuss this as we go further along in the show. When she cashes in, was that a right moment? Because that crowd was dead from that for most of that show until that moment, and they did a good job. Of course, we'll get we'll get into that later on in the show. Uh, before the I, only thing I want to throw out there, you can throw this out whenever, but. Uh... Imagine what Sasha Banks is sitting at home thinking after watching the last three days of wrestling. You stupid fucking bitch. (laughs) Essentially, it could have been you. Well, yeah. Yeah, it could have been her, but, you know, she she did what she did. I'm I'm more happy with Bailey. Don't get me wrong. Nah, she deserves it more. But nine times, I'm pretty sure this would have been Sasha. If she didn't have the attitude issue, could have been, and we'll find out. But uh, Sasha congratulated Barely on Twitter. Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't follow Sasha. I gotta follow her on Twitter. I, I don't buy um, that. Being, well, they're front. It could be a front. Um, it's one thing to congratulate Bailey, but it's another thing to compliment WWE in the process. So, yeah, good point. Good point. But they're um, close friends. Of course, they're gonna be happy for each other. Yeah. And real quick, Papa Smart, thank you for the uh, host on uh, Twitch. People that are listening right now, we're live on Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, Periscope, and Facebook Live under the name Go Home Wrestling Show. Wednesdays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can chat with us live if you don't want to listen to the podcast. Uh, so thank you, Papa Smart, for the host. And um, yeah, overall, um, Bailey, they all did a great job, but Bailey was well uh most deserving of this, and of course we'll get, we'll cover what happened after that. Uh, Ryan Lovick, glad Bailey won. Only other winner I would liked would have been Ember Moon. Well, Ryan Love says Ember Moon, Ember Moon creeps you out there, uh, D Shep. So can I, I know tell you like, why she creeps me out though? What's that? What, what's this the thing that scares you? Very PG, but she looks like a tranny to me. I'm sorry. Well. Wow. Send all your hate mail to uh, at dshep1979 on Twitter. That's why, she... I know, that's... If she just... Well, let me think. If she acts like a woman, she looks like a woman. But when she acts like the she-nom, she looks like a man. Is that somewhat fair? Because her face is just bizarre when she does that howl or scream or whatever. Uh, that's your opinion, sir, and we're not gonna, uh, you know, we're not gonna jump on well, about that, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. All right. Well, let's go into the next match. Of course, uh, this is the rematch from WrestleMania 35, and that is the uh, United States Championship on the line. Champion Samoa Joe putting it on the line against Rey Mysterio. Um, this is um, one of the matches where I. Um, would not get down from the rating that I'm going to give it at the end of this uh, review. It, it was a crap match. It, it really was right. a shit. What's that? It, isn't it kind of funny that these two amazing talents plus a title and this was piss break? Yep. Yeah, it, it was not that good. 
I I don't see they do not have good chemistry. It, it's surprising that these two I, veterans they, they just don't seem like they're there's chemistry with them. That was the most poorly executed. I gotta give Samoa Joe shit because I agree with you to the sense that it was a planned storyline, the finish of the match. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about that. Oh yeah. But Samoa Joe. Like, it's one thing to have your shoulder up a little, then the referee can't see. But his shoulder was so goddamn far up that you can't logically explain why the referee did not see it, because he was looking right at it. If it was only two, three inches off the ground, I don't think we're even talking about that finish being a big deal. But for me, you know, that was the worst Samoa Joe has looked since WWE. Is it part that he little sour grape for giving such a short match and a crappy finish maybe that's why he didn't sell it as good as he normally would but this was bad uh, I, I, I totally agree with you it was bad I was expecting maybe some redemption out of them too but it is what it is and it was a planned finish uh, the way it ended you could tell uh, well the ending was planned the timing of it wasn't planned because they said they called a match when Joe broke his nose and he started bleeding. That plan, the way it was, at, it ended was the planned ending. That's what they did confirm. So as far as that, yeah, that's the way it was supposed to end. But when it did, that's why. So, so I'm pretty sure that at some point it was communicated to Samoa Joe that the match was ending and they were going to do that finish, right? Yeah. So that, how the hell do you have your shoulder that goddamn far up is beyond me. I don't know. That was bad. Yeah, it was bad on the ref too. You gotta kind of give him crap. And I know they're in a bad spot, the referees. And but, I mean, th- this was a bad. In most of these botches that we're talking about, aren't your traditional sense botches? There's a few we talked about. There's probably a few more we're gonna talk about. Most of these were just poor execution. I guess that's what a botch technically is. But this. These look like planned botches that were just taken too far to the box side of things, if that makes any sense. There weren't your normal, oh my God, that guy slipped off the rope or he banged his head. or it's an, it, They weren't your typical botches, like stuff with Mandy and Carmella too. It wasn't normal the way Carmella reacted. And to me right here, this wasn't normal how Samoa Joe reacted. It was just weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a little weird. I agree with you on that. Um, there was a question coming out of YouTube. Ryan Love says, will Joe ever get his overdue major push? This was only done to get Ray his Grand Slam champion status. I understand that. Um, actually, he accomplished a lot more than others because he also has a cruiserweight title on his uh, on his resume. So that's something that a lot of people can't say they have done. Won the WWE World Heavyweight, Cruiserweight, and then the mid-card titles. And both tag titles. So, yeah, he has a legendary career. But um, to me, at this point, I think Joe needs to go to Raw and push for the Universal title. Because my prediction, uh, there's going to be a bigger dog on SmackDown going for the WWE title. Can I give you a quick take on Grand Slam champions? Because we now got a couple after this week. Uh, and go I know ahead. we're going to go into greater detail with Bailey in a minute. Yeah. But to me... Is a Grand Slam that important 
in the sense that if the last title you get to complete it is a mid-card title and not a heavyweight title, like comparing this right here, is Ray's Grand Slam, forget the kind of match that this match was. Just, just go with he won the U.S. title, final piece of that puzzle. Is that more of a big deal than what Bailey just did? Bailey's is bigger. I think Bailey's is by far bigger. Yeah. And you know who was the other uh, Grand Slam guy? Shawn Michaels. Uh, huh? And Shawn Michaels, and he won a European Championship. We had we had about a year or two ago. Someone won the IC title, right, to do the Grand Slam, I think. Mm. Or Jericho? No, Jericho was trying to break the IC record. That's what it was. I'm yeah. Now I can't remember uh, where you were talking just, about. I, when you complete the Grand Slam, you like it to be the top prize. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're talking other sports like golf, you complete the Grand Slam. It's just more meaningful if that final piece is the Masters. You know what I'm saying? It just, I don't know. And the way they did it was just terrible. Uh, Seth Rollins became over this year. Eh, he, yeah, he kind of. <laughs> It, 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 he's not at a superstar status, and I, I, we'll get into that another time because that I have a theory about why they don't do that. But uh, overall, I did enjoy the match. Um, oh, I, I didn't enjoy this match. I'm sorry. I didn't enjoy this match. It, I was hoping they would redeem themselves from this, but it is what it is. Joe is a great talent. You can't take that away from him. But I'll tell you, that he's going to win this title back. We'll find out on Monday Night Raw what they're going to do with the United States title. All right, let's move along to the next match, and it was the Steel Cage match, which we thought might have been the blow-off match to their rivalry because it wasn't at WrestleMania. And The Miz going up against the boss's son, Shane McMahon, in a Steel Cage match, a match that I, as an old-school wrestling fan, enjoy these type of matches. And in my opinion, I think it lived up to its expectations. I think they did a pretty good job. My only disconnect in the match was the chair spot. Because where the fuck did he get that chair? Because he didn't go under the ring. All of a no, sudden, he, he, the refs outside put it up against them steps, is my guess. And then he reached out and grabbed it. I guess so. Uh, other Grand Slam, Roman. Yeah, Roman was. Yeah, he won off. Yeah, four. Roman, when he won the IC title, was Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, he's more modern. That's why I knew it. Did that mean anything for Roman to become Grand Slam champion? Absolutely not. No, well, it's because he's the top dog. Because by then, he already won the other titles. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I knew I... I couldn't... Thank you, Jim Jones. I had a feeling I was right on that one. Yeah. Oh, no. Um. This match was pretty awesome, all things considered. And, you know, a lot of people I see online are bitching that Shane won... Which, the only reason people wanted Miz to win, in my opinion, was that so this feud would be over. Yeah. And if that's your motivation, then you can never get on the internet again and bitch about 50-50 booking. Because they did not go with 50-50 booking. And we always bitch about that, but then when they don't, then you're going to get online and bitch anyway. That makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah, the little ending with the cheesy falling out of the jersey or whatever, I could have lived without that part. But I was honestly okay with Shane winning. And Shane winning clean, I don't think nobody expected. I for sure thought there was going to be a run-in of some sort. So, Mm -hmm. to me, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I had very low expectations going into this match, and I was good with it. 
Yeah, I, I was surprised. No, I knew it was going to be good. I was surprised at how good it was. Yeah, it just it kept exceeding. Yeah, of course, a couple bad spots here and there, but for the most part, they did a great job. Yeah. Um, and th- their chemistry is off the charts. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you on that. And like I said, yeah, the, the Jersey thing, dude, that would, what did that do? It got people booing. It, they got a reaction. And, finally, and people... after all these years, see Shane with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And people are like, they're going to complain no matter what. To me, it was a good you know, match. It told a great know, story. I got to make a little joke. I was not expecting that much chest hair. I really wasn't. Okay. I just got to throw that out there. That's fine. fine. Vince showed part of his body in them tanks he used to wear in matches. Yeah. He, he was completely shaven, you could tell. So mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by all the chest hair, to be honest. Really? Well, I didn't expect that. Okay. No complaints on the, on this match or anything. Yeah, neither. I don't have one either. Uh, it was a good match overall. Um, but are we going to see another match? We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, the next match. Well, this one is one of the other matches that I was like, eh, about. And usually I'm a big fan of 205 Live matches, Cruiserweight Championship oh, matches. The one time they put it on the main card, eh, it didn't hit. And nothing against them, because um, they're both good. It just this one didn't hit for me. Tony Nese and Ryan Davari, Cruiserweight title on the line. Was Tony Nese uh, retains in this, and of course the one thing I did like was uh, how Davari drove for ten feet. Hit <laughs> that, and freaking <laughs> boom! Hello, uh, let's say Wilson. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Other than that, it, it, you've seen the videos of people. They were, uh, of course, that was their bathroom break or. Uh, going to concession stands. People weren't into it. The crowd was dead for this match. Well, this, you know, I'm not 205. I, I, I am I the guy admit, for that. I will never like it. But this was not fair to them whatsoever. No. Because everybody was pissed off in the crowd for the ending of the cage match. So they got up immediately when they found out it was just the Cruiserweight match coming up next. You should have had this cruiserweight match when the crowd was hot after Rain beat Elias in a quick squash. Yeah. That's what I would have just flip-flopped the two. Uh, but the action itself was fantastic. But Buddy Murphy, what do you think Buddy Murphy's thinking right now? He was on the kickoff show for damn near a year. And then he gets the belt off him. And then all of a sudden they give them the main card spot. And after what the yep. crowd did to this match, you unlikely to ever see him on the main card again unless there's a name value attached to this and i feel bad just from the professional side of things for these guys that it's one thing to be stuck with that glass ceiling that's the cruiserweight thing until they bump you up like they did with ali and cedric Mm -hmm. but for them to do what they did to these two guys man you stifling them because this was terrible booking in a nutshell. Well, it was said, uh, and I think it was getting jokes in chat, it felt rushed, and I totally agree with that. Um, the ending definitely felt that way, but to me, like, I'm always, a, I'm a 205 Live guy, so it was getting jokes in chat. We're, we're, those, we're marks for that brand, and this match, it just wasn't, 
it didn't hit for me. Uh, the only 205 Live match that should have been on main was Tony vs. Buddy. Yeah, definitely should have been. Uh, I think the last time that 205 Live had a main card match was uh, Super Showdown in Australia. No, you know, I, I really actually enjoyed the Buddy and Cedric match from a kickoff show. I forget what pay-per-view that was. I think they had a couple, actually, so I forgot. Yeah, I, I forgot. I, I think that one was really good, too. Like I said, I, I love Buddy Murphy. Uh man it just it's sad to say that he never got that other name with him to fight cedric yeah okay tony niece yeah okay but man could you imagine buddy murphy and ray mysterio threw it down at one point or austin aries if he was still around threw it down with buddy murphy my god if he would still put if he would just put someone over prick <laughs> uh, i'm a <laughs> And he's going to MLW. That's going to end in a fucking disaster. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those matches. Hopefully, they get another opportunity, and maybe, maybe just maybe, they could build up on a, a match better because that but was the one thing that was a disconnect. Of, in my opinion, two hundred five's problem is they tend to focus on building up one guy at a time, and when you do that and you call that guy up, then you rinse repeat with somebody else. You. From what little bit I've watched, I just don't see a lot of multi-pushing going on at the same time, with maybe the exception of Cedric and Buddy Murphy were kind of getting hot at the same time. But, you know, Buddy Murphy, Ali, Cedric, they all left, so now it's all about Tony Neese. When yep. Tony Neese leaves and drops the belt, then it's going to be Davari or somebody else probably. They that's part of the problem. Yeah, Lucha Underground's another problem, but you just don't have enough names attached to this. I think if you say, yeah, if you sign Gargano down there to start off and then bring him up. Even, from, if, even if the Gargano thing would be a one-off, it still would bring excitement to the product. Yeah. You you throw down a Tony Nese Gargano match and all eyes are on that match. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. I, I, my eyes included. All right. Well, let's see if uh, hopefully they get another opportunity. Um, I think they will. They do have a good, talented roster, but they just got to, you know, build up these guys better. All right. Let's move along to the next match, and that is the first of the three women's title matches that we saw on Money in the Bank, and that was Lacey Evans challenging the man for the Raw Women's Championship, and. I'll tell you right now, coming from my end, I thought um, it was a good match. Um, there was a shoot pin in there. There was a little bit of a mess up with the referee. That was the second mess up of the night. The other thing, um, it, it didn't seem like they were on point with this. And I thought they would have been. But I think they uh, the next match kind of redeemed it. But um, there's still something there that you want to see another match out of them too. It was a pretty decent match. Um, how did you feel about it? This was essentially Lacey getting better throughout the week. Yeah. The more she was out, out, the better she got. Problem with this match was, I'm sure they were rehearsing in the back, but you can't get that same kind of timing. And the only thing, Lacey, I don't think this was on Becky's end. I think this was just a timing issue because, quite frankly, Lacey hasn't had enough real matches up until this point. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty obvious. But like I said, as the week went on with 
you know, the run-in, then the appearance on Raw, then the appearance on SmackDown. Everything got better throughout the week for Lacey. And by the end of it all, I think everybody's pretty happy. But yeah, this was kind of a slow start to the night, especially on Money in the Bank. But I think it all ended where we wanted it to end. So I'm good. Okay. Well, then, yeah, like I said, it was a uh, pretty good match. And. But nothing compared to this one, and that was, of course, the uh, SmackDown women's title directly after. Now, the thing I liked is that this shows the heel side of uh, Charlotte Flair. She came out to the ring, said, no, Becky, get your ass back in there. Our match is now. Right after she had that br- uh, match with uh, Lacey Evans, right away, she had to fight uh, Charlotte Flair. And, of course, you, you know... Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch match, it's been gold every single time. This one was redemption for the first match. I thought it was really good. And Charlotte Flair came out on top. She beat Becky Lynch. But, of course, that was because of the women's right from Lacey Evans, the distraction. But that's kind of what I expected. If Charlotte was going to win the title, I figured it was going to be Lacey coming back out to screw it in. It made sense. And... So, did you like the match more than the first one, obviously? Oh, definitely. Okay. Uh, I would even go so far to say that I think they're potentially setting up where we could have Lacey and Charlie with the tag title soon, too. Oh, well, possibly. I've got a tough feeling about that. Well, you could possibly see that. Uh, and we're going to be covering it on uh, SmackDown. So, you, you might be right. But, of course, I mean, you had both titles on the line. Charlotte Flair was like, you know what? She forced Becky into into another match right after she ended a match. And here it is, Charlotte Flair sitting there, give, you know, making fun of Becky, going boo-hoo-hoo, you know, taunting her that I beat you for the title. And now came Bailey. Bailey cashed, <laughs> well, saved after Evans and Charlotte Flair were attacking Becky Lynch. And people were calling for Bailey. Bailey came out, attacked them, and next thing you know, you had Charlotte on the ground. She had the briefcase, cashed it in, and within a minute, she did it and became the SmackDown Women's Champion, becoming the first woman to be a Grand Slam champion. What did you think out of all three? The two women's matches and the cash-in. The What's only part on I thought was odd about the cash-in was that it seemed like very little offense on Charlotte right before Bailey cashed in. Yeah. To the point that I thought Charlotte was going to move out of the way of the elbow. And then Bailey was going to hit a couple spots, Charlotte hit a couple spots, and Bailey eventually went. Uh, so I felt like just the cash-in portion felt slightly rushed. But in a weird way, it probably wasn't because Bailey was part of the two-on-two attack. Mm-hmm. So the cash didn't happen right away. But then when it happened, it just went ultra quick. I kind of thought it was going to be drawn out at least a few more minutes. But Charlotte sold the living shit out of that elbow, man. Because if you zoom in on Charlotte's face when Bailey hit the elbow, the whole complexion of Charlotte's face looked like the life was sucked out of her. It was awesome execution. It just was a little shorter than I thought. Yeah. Well, the cash-ins are usually short. They don't go too long. Uh, Get Up Jones says this was the best way to get Baylor to title because if she would have cashed in against Becky, she would have gotten a pop. She wouldn't have gotten the pop that she did. And this is where I liked about it. 
This is where WWE was brilliant, okay? You set up two great women's title programs for the summer in these three little matches right now. Lacey yeah. Evans cost Becky the title. Charlotte won the title. So now you got Becky and Lacey Evans. You're going to have another match or two. And I think the last one will be at SummerSlam. Then you got Bailey cashing in and beating Charlotte, where she only had the ninth reign, you know, you know, Charlotte ninth reign. She was only that for what, not even a minute. And boom, you got another program with Bailey and Charlotte. So in a matter of what, 40 minutes, we have two great programs that people are talking about even today. People are excited to see where they go with this. Even with what you saw last night and uh, on SmackDown and what you saw Monday night on Raw. Yeah, now you're mixing in Iconics with all of this, too. It's beautiful. Yes, and that's where it goes along with your theory of possible tag team match, uh, tag titles for uh, Beck, uh, for um, Charlotte and Lacey Evans. And the wild card rule is in effect when it comes to that, too. I could see a three-way dance. Becky, Bailey, Charlotte, Lacey, and Iconics. Yeah, you could. Well, uh, well, you know what I, they tend to do too is after a Saudi show because the Saudi show's next. The next pay per view they tend to book a lot of the women because of that. So if there was ever a time to pull a trigger on a multi tag team women's match, I think this would be after the Saudi show. Yeah, you might be able to see that. Uh, I hope to see that. Calypso, four twenty six. Welcome. Time, it was the night after the Saudi show, or I should say the Monday after the Saudi show, and they had like three or four women's matches on the card. Oh, yeah, that was also to hype up um, the announcement for the evolution. No, no, I understand that, but, it, you know, if they try some other kind of situation like that, it would make sense. Yeah, and Kim June, especially since our women tag champions, hasn't won a match since getting the titles. And be yeah. a good match for the Iconics to get a big win and not make anybody look weak in the process. Exactly. Get the cheap win. Get the heat win, actually, is the best way to say that. Essentially but, over four potential world champions. And, that would be awesome for Iconics. Yeah, it would. It definitely would be good for them. And I like what the Iconics do. That, you know, Iconic... <laughs> and, like the taunts, everything. They're just annoying when they talk all together. Um, I love it. I love it. And again, going back to it, and we'll go into the next match. I just loved the job I did on creating two programs for the summer. This is probably the best booking they've done in a long time. Especially for the women. Because after that disastrous main event, I know it was good for the most part. But overall, the women's main event, it could have been so much better. And we talked about how it was overbooked. This one was simple. Look how two simple things created two summer programs. And I can't wait for what they go from where they go from there. Alright, let's go into the next match. And that is Roman Reigns. Piss Roman, Reigns number three. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Going up against the drifter, Elias. And of course, I you say it's a piss break, but you know what? I liked it. Because what they did, because we've been saying all along, since Roman Reigns has come back, keep him away from the title. Put him in programs like with Elias, like with any insert name, which Drew McIntyre is probably the next one. But overall, keep him away from the title. And you got to keep that genuine pop for him because you don't want that booing, even though you're starting to hear it a little bit. But I think they did a good job to keep the cheering 
keep them invested with him. Not go against him. Not feel like it's forced. First they start. And Turtle, Turtle Oasis says, I walk with Elias. We all do. We all do. Um, we, uh, the one thing I would say, like, when Elias hit him with the guitar, that was to get heat for him, sympathy for, uh, for Roman Reigns. And then, of course, Elias goes out to the ring, sings the songs, shits on the city of Albany, and then he's going up the ramp. So he's getting the heat. He got the heat. And next thing you know, Roman comes out, Superman punch, drags him to the ring, spears him, gets the quick victory. I thought it was good for him. I thought they did a good job with it. They get the sympathy for uh, Roman and the heat for Elias. It was simple, and I enjoyed it. I know it was, you could have got a 12-minute match that was like, eh. To me, this was better. I, I, I'm glad it did it this way. What's your thoughts? I would have been fine if they did it this way, but Elias getting the fucking win, though. This was absolutely retarded conclusion to me i agree with you as far as the setup was concerned you got the sympathy the rings don't need the pop afterwards he don't need that part of it just do the sympathy actually go with that all the way and somehow have a bias win the match even if it's in cheap fashion uh just a little side note real quick uh, yeah please or whatever with the wild card rule you gotta have two champs especially with Brock Lesnar having the fucking briefcase now cause he's not gonna be there every week so if there was ever a time to keep two titles it's absolutely right now yeah. maybe down the line if wild card goes away or Brock goes away then maybe you could revisit that and unify them in some way but not right now well, uh, but yeah this just was like the third situation on Money in the Bank where you just felt like it was rushed. But I agree with you of what you described is what they were going for. So from that aspect, they got what was they were going from. I just don't think Roman Reigns needs any more sympathy at this point. I get that they think he does. Whatever. But for me, it just felt flat. Um... Say I disagree with that because I think the loss that he's going to receive is against Drew McIntyre. No, about what's going to happen now that you got Drew McIntyre aligned with Shane McMahon. I, I could see that's where he's going to get his loss. And I, I get that, but Drew don't really need that. Elias needs that win over Roman a hell of a lot more than Drew does. Why? If you don't because mind Drew is already monstrously over as a heel, and he's got quality matches. And we already think he should be in the world title match. So him getting a win over Reigns and then going into the title picture, we already think he should be in the title picture. Elias belongs nowhere near a title picture at this point. He has Why is that? A goddamn mid-card title. So at least Drew, you know, has gotten wins over big, established name. What's the most established guy that Elias has beat so far? No, no one. That's the problem. That's why I say Elias deserves to win over Roman more. Okay, well, for me. Okay, and I, I and you have a valid point. So but I, to I counter that, Drew getting it too. I yeah. agree that the route they're probably going. And if Drew still don't get into the title mix after beating Roman, then there's seriously something else going on. I think it's going to be in the program with Drew, uh, Drew. with. Uh, with Seth uh, going into SummerSlam, I don't. I, I we'll see what happens. But overall, um, with 
Elias, okay? We always said that a heel doesn't always have to win. If they lose, what do they usually do at the end of the match? They need to win at some point, though, man. I some agree points, with you. yeah, yeah. Some points, I they do. I agree with you that they don't have to win all the time, but at some point, they got to win. Just go ask Samoa Joe. No, I agree with you because, yeah, the one thing, I mean, the one thing that always annoyed me about the WWE uh, territory, territory is that, I mean, you never had uh, heel champions that would last long. I mean, how, how long has it been since you had a heel champion? Where people would go city to city, sell out arenas to see a guy, a heel hey, lose. I got a little side Besides Lesnar. Isn't Gidham get get Jones, he's our resident researcher, right? I guess. Yes. Well, <laughs> he, he, like he knows the facts a little bit more quicker than we do sometimes. So I got a little trivia here. Who has more wins in 2019 and the amount of matches they've been in? Samoa Joe or Elias? Samoa Joe. <laughs> Why? Maybe? How many points has Elias had? Maybe one? That's what I'm saying. Between the two of them, we're almost halfway through the years, and you can, can count their combined wins on probably one hand. That's... I don't know, man. That's a little weird, ain't Cause it? it? Yeah, because well, that's how they're, they always been with heels. That's great. They're on pace. pace between... Between the two of them for one win a month. Well, million-dollar man to a Hall of Famer. Did the guy have a outstanding record? Did he have that Goldberg-type record where he was 173 and now? No. But million-dollar man... Pretty, wears it, then million-dollar man's got to be in enough set. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, million-dollar man was great. Don't hate on no, that. No, but all you have to do... For a Hall of Famer is comparing the Coco Beware. If Coco's in, then they all belong in. Hey, Brooklyn Baller belongs in. Yeah. Get him, Jones says Elias has more wins in his short time as a face than he was as a heel. Doesn't that tell you everything about the WWE territory? Doesn't that tell you about that whole company, how they see heels and faces in a different way than other promoters? Like, it's always been that I know, way. I just, I just found it odd when I was starting to think about it in my head, trying to figure out where they won big matches, and it's very far in between. All right. Well, let's go. Let's move along here. Um, of course, match nine of the night, the Universal Championship on the line. Seth Rollins uh, in his first title defense on a pay-per-view against AJ Styles. The rematch of 15 years in the making. And all I got to say is holy shit. If there wasn't anything that gathered the emotion from the fans. You know the last time I felt that way was Elimination Chamber this year with Kofi and Daniel Bryan. That unpredictability because there were some points you think AJ was going to walk out with the title. I actually for a second thought they might give him the title here. And I would have been okay with it, but again, Seth Rollins retained in a hell of a match. And believe it or not, people, they went a little long. They were, from what was reported, they were only supposed to go 24. They went 37 with entrances and all. So they t they went over <laughs> big time, um, which didn't matter anyway, because they, they only got answered a pay-per-view like they used to. But man, what a match. Very entertaining. Unpredictable, and like I said, the last time I felt like that was was uh, Elimination Chamber, and 
You got my take. Well, what's your take on it? I saw, I heard you clapping your hands, but I want to hear what you have to say. That was the number one takeaway right there. That transition from the curb stomp to the style slash, my fucking lord, that was perfectly executed. Yes, it was. Uh, we really, this, ironically, I think it's going to be the shortest thing we talk about on this list because there's really nothing to talk about. This was just amazing. Yeah, we could sit here for an hour and dissect every mood. Yeah, that one was good. That one was good. That one was good. That one was good. But no one wants to hear all that. Nah. Pretty much, this was the match of the night. Uh, Absolutely. The money in the back came close to dethroning it, but this was the match of the night by far, and it was just a pleasure to see. Man, it shows that age is just a freaking number because AJ Styles, what, 42? 42! And he's pulling off these matches with a 33-year-old. Okay. The only thing I want to throw out there is I feel like there's this continuous, not really sleight of hand, I don't know what you want to call it, towards AJ Styles as beginning to piss me off, though. Uh, I get why the men's money in the bank was the main event because you had the stuff happen with Brock. But you would think after all the months and months and months of AJ with the WWE title not getting the main event on a fucking pay-per-view, you thought maybe he's going against Seth, the Universal Championship, the guy who beat Brock at WrestleMania. If there was ever a time to pull the trigger, I'm putting fucking AJ in the goddamn main event of just one fucking pay-per-view is all I ask. This was it. They obviously were going to deliver no matter what spot on the card they wore, though. But for the love of God, can you put AJ in the fucking main event just once this year? That's all I ask. I agree with you. It should have been main event. But I think if they would have put the men's money in the bank before that, a lot of people would have a sour taste in their mouth. I don't think you would probably have that reaction. I get that's why it happened. Year. Yeah, but going into it, we did not know about Brock. I don't think that even leaked online. No, they did a great game. job covering that up. So no, knowing what we knew as we were watching the show and after watching this match, you just left wondering why it did not main event. Yeah, but and then we found out why an hour later. I get that, but man. Yeah, hindsight 2020 was the right move, and they put on a hell of a show. It was the right move, but please, just once get him in the main event. I think he will. But, like you said, there was not much to say other than, wow. So let's go on to the other title match, and that is the WWE Championship. Kofi Kingston in his first pay-per-view title defense against, well, the short-term New Day member that turned on him, Kevin Owens, and... Again, you had a match that went over 30 minutes. This one only went 15. But, man, was that 15 minutes action-packed. They told a great story. In my opinion, I, I might be talking out of my ass here, but this is probably the best story that Kevin Owens has told since being in the WWE, since I've been following. The story he told in this match, I, I he did a great job. At, like you said, there's only a few words he could say. To me, there's only a few words I can say, but incredible. Incredible story. Told a great story. Great match. Wow. This was the kind of guy, as much as I love DB, no disrespect to DB. Yep. But he's not DB anymore. He's just not. 
He's a solid competitor, but he's not DB of four or five years gold. That ship has sailed. There's four top guys in the company as far as all-around talent. Maybe not the four individual best, but you got Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, and I'm brain farting now. I just had the other one in my damn head. Ah, but Miss, <coughs> they are your workhorses. No matter how bad a storyline is, no matter how good it is, no matter if you want them to be face or heel, them four guys can knock it out of the park each and every time. And this was the kind of caliber guy that Kofi needed to beat before potentially beating that big name like a Brock Lesnar or even a Roman Reigns down the line if that's a route they go. It, it's They needed to beat, he needed to beat an all-round guy and DP's just not that anymore. He's still a great talent, but he is the real B-plus player. Now, let's be honest. Yeah. All these four guys I just mentioned, they're your A-minus to A talent. Your A-plus guys, your big names, you need, you, it's stepping stones. And now I'm really excited to see where Kofi goes from here. And quite frankly, I'm excited to see where KO goes from here. Obviously, it looks like there's going to be at least one other match uh, down the line. I think the Saudi show has already been broke, and we're going to talk about that on SmackDown. But Kevin does not want to go to Saudi. So that's why the stuff that happened on SmackDown happened the way it did. So. I'm pretty sure that after Saudi, we're going to get another Owens-Kofi match, and I really hope Kofi goes over again. Yeah, you're not going to see. That wasn't a one-off match, for sure. And I can't wait to see the next one between these two competitors, because that was an incredible match. So, all right, so we had the two main title matches. Well, you got to get the uh, next Money in the Bank winner. Uh, who's going to be uh, cashing in on either Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston? Well... To me, this was an incredible match, but an unbelievable ending. Now, people, you ought to know, I'm not, this is not a spoiler, Brock Lesnar came out. And when he did what he did, I actually stood up and I went, Bravo. I agree with what they did. And I'll tell you why. They, We all know that the ratings have been bad. They've been absolutely awful since WrestleMania. What better way than have some sort of unpredictability in this storytelling? Because you would never know when this guy's going to cash in. Because he's a part-timer. When was the last time he wrestled on TV? Not Raw, TV. 2004. That was 15 years ago. Could it be possible that this man could come on TV and wrestle for the first time? In 15 years and cash in on either Raw or SmackDown. Now, I talked about this on Periscope earlier uh, this week on Monday. And I will say this. Bold prediction. I'm thinking SmackDown on the first episode on Fox. That's when I feel like he might do it. On Kofi Kingston. People are predicting one of the two Saudi shows too. I hope it isn't that. Yeah, there is a lot of speculation. But here's the thing. If he wants to go after Seth, he could, quote-unquote, evoke the rematch clause. And I know that they had the, oh, they're not honoring that anymore. 
but it, it it's the WWE and it's the uh it's Brock Lesnar. Huh? So overall, I mean, it's you know how they are. One second they you, oh we're gonna enforce this rule and they won't. With Lesnar, they had that thirty day rule for defending the title. They didn't honor that with him. You say like so if you put him in a match with Seth at the Saudi show, you're it's fine. And you can still have the briefcase and cash it in at SmackDown. And the fact that he's part-time, you can put him in a small program with maybe a Bray Wyatt. Because from what we saw, no one's taking claim for what happened to Sam Zayn. So you, whoever did that, I mean, you could put him in a program with uh, Brock. You don't even have to put him in there. He's a part-timer. Overall, you could hold him out to October if you want to do it that way. But week in and week out, you like what we saw on SmackDown. Of course, we'll talk about it. If you got just Heyman coming out and taunting these guys, making them believe that they're gonna ca- he's gonna cash oh, in. Oh yeah, here go. And, and I can just imagine how the ratings were and how the ratings are gonna be from now to the moment he actually does it. So Heyman delivered one of the greatest lines of all time, and I know we're gonna talk about that soon. So I'll save that for that. Okay, but. You know what? I'm like you said. I'm completely hundred percent behind all your points, but I also have to make an admission here. Go ahead. And this one pains me more than any two hundred five live admitting. This one's hard for me, but you know what? My biggest takeaway of this match was what's that? Finn fucking Balor. My God, the shit he put his body through. I have never seen. Since maybe the early days of TLC from Jeff Hardy. Are you talking about the somersault powerbomb? <laughs> it wasn't just that spot, though. That spot gets, you know, overshadows all the other spots. There was nobody that was more battered and bruised, maybe Ricochet, coming out of this match. Finn Balor, them spots that he took, really, to me, stepped it up. And I finally seen something out of playing. Finn Balor and not the Demon Balor. This was Finn Balor. You finally met Finn, in my opinion. That bounce, like, I've never seen nothing like that in my life. It got me excited to see what his next feud is going to be, which should be Andrade, I would think. But they're doing this shit with Ali, so who knows? But my biggest takeaway, the MVP of this match for me was Finn Balor. And I never thought I would say that considering where he was on Raw three, four months ago. There has been nobody who's benefited from the change of scenery plus this match more than Finn Balor these last couple weeks, month, or whatever. It's been amazing. So I just want to throw that out there. And I completely agree with everything you said about Lesnar. There was no issue for me whatsoever. The perfect guy to hold the case. One more thing I'm going to mention there before we go on to the you know the conclusion of this is that you noticed something when Ali was up there and he was about to grab the briefcase. Did you notice anything? No reaction from the crowd. And knowing how over he was a few months ago before that injury compared to that moment when he was up there and he was about to get that briefcase. Even though that was a disconnect for me right there in that match, I forgot to mention was that you know he what? had his hands on there. All he had to do was grab it, but Lesnar, I guess, he froze you know him. A lot of people are quick to jump to the injury. Not saying you are, 
the injury is how he lost the crowd. I think they lost the crowd. WWE shot themselves in the foot. What? He, uh, WWE shot themselves in the foot. The moment they took Mustafa out of his name, everything was gone right then and there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about the injury. I do not think it was the injury. And one little sneak preview for SmackDown, one little line worth mentioning is Ziggler, how he shit on what they did to Ali. And the crowd cheered that comment. Ziggler pointed out how WWE shitted on Ali with the injury and Kofi taking his spot, and the crowd cheered it. I don't okay. know. You cannot save Ali as a face at this point. I, I think you got to turn him heel at some point. Uh, but to me, the downfall started the moment they took Mustafa out of the name. Yeah. Uh, it could have been a combination of both. I agree with you. I think that in plus injury. I think it's a combination of both. I probably did it for him. But I just noticed at the end, there was just no one excited that he could have potentially won that match. And and no, again, Jones. It don't yeah. matter how many big moves he hits, he has lost the crowd. Yep. And Gavin Jones says that's not his time, obviously. Seeing what we saw. He's kind of in. He's kind of in that Finn Balor status from four or five months ago where Finn was just wasting away. It's where Ali feels like he's headed right now. He needs something solid. If it's not for the crowd to cheer him, then at least boo the hell out of him. He needs something to bring some energy. And I don't. you can do a million big spots, but unless something big happens one way or another, I just don't know how he gets the crowd back right now. Oh, well, I guess we could do a uh, deep discussion with that in another time. Oh, little side note, fuck Ricochet still. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, in all seriousness, there has not been one guy in the last five years that has become more irrelevant, more quick, coming from NXT to the main roster than that piece of shit Ricochet. And don't give me this bullshit, oh, he can hit us. He can hit a he can hit a four fifty six forty splash. Yeah, <laughs> that's so fucking cool. When's the last time he's won a match? <laughs> uh, when Alistair was with Sorry, him in the tag I team. Throw that out there. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot with him too. It's not all his fault. I'm just kind of trying yeah. to be corny, funny. But my God, dude. Uh, it's okay. Um, overall, um, yeah, go back to the match. Overall, it was a good match. Great ending. I was okay with the end with Brock Lesnar. And uh, let's go into the conclusion. Because obviously we think the uh, match of the night was the Seth and AJ for the Universal title. So, from we're going to do a rating from 0 to 10. What would you rate uh, Money in the Bank? Because of how great the last three matches are, I'm going to go 7.5. I was going to go 7, but they really closed it out as strong as they've closed out a paper okay. in quite a while. Okay, I'm gonna actually. I'm not trying to up you, but I'm going to 8.5 because it. To me, the only two matches were the uh, the cruiserweight title and the U.S. title. After that, even though you had a little botches the with Roman the refs, match. huh? And the Roman match was a second. Uh, no, no, it was 13 seconds. My bad. It was good. I liked what they did. So overall, in my opinion, it, it was, was 8.5. It was amazing storytelling for 13 seconds. Woo! 
Well, more than actually, it was ten minutes if you want to count the guitar shot as he was walking out to the ring to the performance from Elias and to that thirteen-second you know, that match. That gold short that actually qualifies as a YouTube short story. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how short that match was. Oh, that's a very sexual experience for me then. All right, well, let's move along. Um, Monday Night Raw. Let's go right into a Monday Night Raw review because we, we took a little bit longer than expected to cover uh, Money in the Bank. So let's go into the first thing. And basically, when we cover Raw and SmackDown, we do the top five events, in our opinion, on how we want to cover it. Uh, five from the least important to the most important at number one. And that, even though it's at number five, it's not a bad thing, but... Obviously, whatever's number oh, one is. Really yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's just we do do it in order, as far as how we felt it was it had an impact on the show. And of course, the fifth one is the moment of bliss. Um, it started off with that. Uh, the segment started with a moment of bliss with a special guest Becky Lynch. And of course, you had Nikki Cross a part of that. With that, she was involved with it, and I th thought she played a good part in it. Uh, before the interview could even take off, they were interrupted by the Iconics, which again we all like. Uh, they put fun at Lynch for losing the SmackDown Women's title. Lynch uh, threatened to take Peyton Morris and Billy Kate, Billy Kate to the ring, beat them down, and become Becky Three Belts. Lynch reminded Evans she tapped out. Uh, oh, it, Evans came out to interrupt, and of course Lynch reminded Evans that she tapped out on Sunday night and then challenged her the heels to a match. Uh, Becky suggested Bliss and Cross to join her, and the match was on. Uh, pretty good match. I liked it. Um, I did the thing I found funny, really funny, was how Alexa Bliss was just drinking coffee. She never got on the apron, but overall, Lynch uh, got the win for her team when she hit Billy Kay with a top rope leg drop. Uh, first, I want to ask you: Is what did you think of the segment leading up to the match, and to follow that, what did you think of the match? All six women knocked it out of the park, and how often can you say that by that many women? One segment. I mean, Lacey, perfect. Iconics with their corny jokes, perfect. Becky with the, another hint at the tag team title thing I alluded to. Nikki and Alexa. But quite frankly, I've seen that uh, Get'em Jones said Alexa and Nikki have great chemistry. Yeah, we talked about that last week too. We're going to talk yep. about it again this week. But quite frankly, Alexa Bliss has chemistry with a piece of dog shit on the bottom of her shoe. She can make anything shine. Truthfully told, you can make an argument that Alexa, if not for her injury issues, could have did exactly what Becky did. Because she's pure fucking money. No matter what she does. She has the facial expressions in the rest of business as a guy. Really? Yeah. Like face, yep. crybaby, monster heel, little bit of heel, kissing ass. Whatever. Every facial expression, she's like the perfect actress, as they would say in Hollywood, where she can play any role she's given. And to me, that's what stood out the most. She made a coffee cup relevant. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. Yep. Uh, in the execution after the match, she jumped in there. Raised the hand with them. Becky started getting a little salty about that. But, but that's Becky's character. So it was completely fine. I really love whatever the fuck they're doing with Nikki. I can't quite explain it. Is this Mickey James and Trish 2.0? Maybe. 
but this is going to be knocked out of the park too. You have a great film with Nikki and Alexa. Iconics are money because they're not money, if that makes sense. Because they they always lose, but they're the ones always shitting on other towns. So it's fucking perfect. And Lacey has been phenomenal so far. So these are six women that arguably each one of them could be a world champion. It's just fantastic. All right, and yeah, I agree with your takes. Uh, Kim Jones says, "Poor Nikki, she almost had a cup of coffee." That was funny. Um, going to yeah. point, going to your point as far as uh, facial expressions from um, from Alexa Bliss, we made that point last week where she gilded Nikki Cross and taking her spot in the match, like that little she that little grin that mm, I got her, and then turn around and pull the act like it. I totally agree with you. She There's is so money. many things you can do with that little grin. Yeah, exactly. And they're not easy. Yep. And she is money. I agree with you. She is money. Um, I like the segment overall. And as far as the Nikki and uh, Alexa being, you know, the Mickey James and Trish Stratus 2.0, this is one of the times where I think they this one's going to be better than the original. That's These what would I mean. be two people. Well, that could, yeah, like you said, pull it off better than the original. This man, where they could go from this is just who knows. And if you were gonna by chance have a fourth team in there for the tag title thing, Nikki and Alexa makes sense. Interesting. All right, we'll see. All right, so we got what we got out of that. Let's go and move on to number four, and that is the introduction of the 24 7 championship. <laughs> um, of course, uh, the hardcore legend Mick Foley came out to chat with the WWE Universe to introduce a new title. He also announced that there will be a new look for the third hour of the show, where they're going to be turning off all those lights. It's going to have that old school feel to it. To bring <laughs> Raw back to Monday nights. Hold on, let me go. Then he went on to oh, introduce... No, no, the no, 20... no. Don't forget the part where he said, we're going to get back to our... Hey, we're gonna get raw back in raw. Yep. Okay. And then oh. we're gonna talk about the third hour raw. But then the title can be on NXT 205 Live and all these other shows. But it's the third. I got lost a couple times during this promo. Yeah, I'm thinking all those chair shots are finally getting to his head. I, I mean, the guy is articulate, but I think he's starting to get a little punch drunk from all that shit he, that he's endured over the time period of being in wrestling. But overall, obviously, it was to introduce the 24-7 championship. Um, it's the hardcore title, just in the new era of WWE. And there's a lot of people that have a problem with it because of the name. And because that, you oh, why? Know how much that crowd would explode if they called it the hardcore title? Oh, yeah. You would have got a better uh, reaction on Twitter, better this, reaction live crowd, you know, everything. Get into my take on it already. I know you didn't quite ask me yet, but I'm chomping at the bits on this one. Uh, I am blown away excited about this. But this, by far, was the most poorly executed segment on Raw in 10 years probably. The belt is trash. The promo was even more trash. Mick Foley to introduce a title that we know is the hardcore title but to have the disrespect to Mick 
and the title, not to call it such, is just outlandish. But if you can put that all out of your mind and just think about the title itself, not the look of the belt, not the promo, none of that stuff. I don't know how you can be anything but excited about this because it gives something for all the tightest O'Neills of the world to do. Drake Maverick running around posting up our truth wanted signs on Raw and SmackDown. Pure fucking money. It's money not in the traditional sense, though. It's not money wrestling classic. You're not going to see any of that. But my God, when truth later on, I know we're not talking about it in too great detail, but when our truth threw Bobby Roode in the, the trunk. Oh my God, I about lost my shit. This is E. And what about E stands out in WWE? Entertainment. This is not wrestling. This is just entertainment. So if you can put all the McFoley stuff out of your mind, all the belt stuff out of your mind, this is good for the product because. When the lineup got reviewed the night before for SmackDown, this was what I was looking forward to SmackDown the most. Now, naturally, the day of SmackDown, other stuff got announced, and yeah, there was stuff I look forward to tomorrow. But people are talking about it. And at the end of the day, even if it's talking bad or talking good, you want people talking about it, and we're all talking about it. And I agree with you on certain points. Uh, it is entertainment. You want the fans to be entertained. But when we were all discussing, like, you thought it was the hardcore title, right? When you were talking about the new title, did you think it was hardcore? Oh, absolutely. Honestly, I was hoping TV title. And we were discussing, like, how you... That was my feeling when the green was leaked early. Yeah. Was that it was TV title. And I think you could have did a scenario... I think when WCW first introduced it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but then they usually only defend it in the last hour of the program. Um, uh, middle. At first. At first, and then it became the second hour. No, but what, I, what, what I'm saying is it would have made Foley's promo made more sense then because it's a TV title, but it can only de- be defended at the last hour of either Raw or SmackDown or NXT what you could have found a workaround for NXT and 205 Live. Yeah. But I agree that if you weren't going to call it the hardcore title, it might have been better off as the TV title and then done a little bit different. But I am completely on board with this overall. Uh, Going on with that, yes, I was kind of hoping it was that because, like you said, it is entertainment. But that, yeah, if you want that third hour, they went with the route. There was two routes they could have went with. If it was TV title, it would have been a more serious third hour with talent that you aren't using anything for. Bobby Roode, uh, uh, Eric Young, all the people that people go, oh, look, good, good. we finally get to see them. This would have been great for them. But instead, they went with the comedic way, the entertaining way, and this is WWE at its finest. If it was any other promotion, it would have been a television title. It would have been more serious and more competitive and a way to build on your mid, lower to mid-card talent. They went with the entertainment way. Now, I enjoyed it back in 2000. I'm looking forward to see where to go with it. I like what they're doing with the social media, doing the videos. I mean, I did a video a little bit ago saying that I was looking for our truth while I was out uh, today. Um, overall, yeah, I did I, that too. <laughs> I, li- I liked it, I like it, but going to your as far as the name, well, how many names did the Viking Raiders have? 
I'll tell you right now, you might get a new look Wait, wait, at it. wait, wait. Is the Viking Raiders even on Raw still, or did they get drafted to back to NXT because they've had more matches there recently? I, I, I have no clue. But as far as that, they may change the name. They may change the book because they are responding to Twitter. They are responding to Facebook and other social media platforms and YouTube. So you may see a new title. You may see a uh, new name. They've been really reactive to what they're hearing and seeing out there. So give it time. They're, it will have a new name, okay? Mark my words. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought they I thought they did good. Oh, sorry. No. Oh, I'm happy for the jobber talent, too. Uh, Cedric, in particular, Cedric had a couple good spots in that free-for-all when they were scrambling for the belt. So it was nice to see Cedric out there hit a couple spots. Uh, at one point, who was the first guy that came the closest and then Titus fucked him over? I forget who. Heath Slater, was it? No. He was out there. I know Eric Young was out there, too. Eric, Eric Young, by the way, shaved his beard and looks totally almost unrecognizable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, overall, I think it's getting more shit than it probably deserves. Is how I would sum it up. Yeah. Well, we'll see where they go from there. I think they had a pretty entertaining uh, segments on uh, SmackDown with our uh, truth making it out of the show with the title running all over because we're not going to cover that on SmackDown. So, might as well talk about it now. But that's out of the way. All right, let's go into number three moment of the. Uh, Monday Night Raw, and that is Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins teaming up to go up against Bobby Lashley and uh, Baron Corbin. That was the uh, end of the show. Um, and Captain so Captain uh, <laughs> Kofi and Seth teamed up against Baron Corbin and Lashley then Raw. Uh, it was a no DQ match. Uh, pretty entertaining tag match. Kofi uh, picks up the win for his tag team when he hit Corbin with the trouble in paradise. After the match, Lesnar came out and wa- just walked around the ring. He got up to the apron and made Rollins and Kofi believe he was cashing in. Uh, of course, he got down and walked up the ramp to end the show. Pretty good way to taunt and make the guys feel that he was going to cash in, but he didn't. And it goes along to our theory that they might be using this to get uh, ratings, and I'm okay with it. Um, and it's that unpredictability. I mean, that's something that we always complain about. That they just give away too much and there's no unpredictability. This is one of the times they're finally going to be that way. But it was a pretty good match. Uh, what's your take on the uh, main event? Uh, fantastic. Also from the sense that it's nice that Drew is doing his own thing with Shane now. Uh, I like Lashley and Corbin, just them. I never needed that trio. Uh, are you going? Mm-hmm. Hi. Are you waiting to say bye? He fucked me up! Get the fuck out of here! Love in paradise. It's paradise. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I think these guys are better off as a duel. Uh, and this was a Stalin match by four incredibly talented people. Uh, Really, I ain't got a lot to say because there is not a lot of stuff to nitpick right here. This was a fantastic tag team match and a pleasure to see. Okay, now I'm with you. Um, you ready? This was Lashley and Corbin's best work. Keep these two together. I don't know. I I, I, I agree with Adam Jones. Corbin, Corbin and back teaming with at Lashley. I'm so happy. It's something about them too. They just complement each other. 
Well, that and fact. no offense to Leo Rush, it was entertaining for a while, but this is a credible guy with Lashley now. Yep. So, all, I'm all for it. Two guys that could get heat. Uh, Corbin's better at it, I think. N- nothing against Lashley. Lashley's good at getting heat, but I think Corbin's better at it. If you see the documentary, yeah. him in NXT, he's just a natural prick. But overall, it was a good match. I liked it. And you got your two champions getting over on the two uh, badass heels of Raw. And um, overall, yeah, I'm like, with you. It, it was it was a really entertaining match. Way to close out Monday Night Raw. All right. Well, that was pretty quick. <laughs> so let's go on to number three. Go. Number two. I'm sorry, two. And that is, of course... Your number two moment of the night is the Usos versus the Revival. And we always, always on this show talk about how we love tag team wrestling. And here we go. This match did not disappoint. Did not disappoint at all. Um, Even though it it was kind of a crappy build to this match. You know, that whole, oh, we're going to sneak up and laugh at, you know, one of the guys getting their back shaved. But okay. But we did get a great payoff for this rather odd storyline. Match went over for at least 15 plus minutes, but the Revival get over on their recent rivals when Dawson rolled up Jimmy and held the tights for the win. Great heat victory for them. What would you think of the match overall? You know, great match. I can't think of anything to say bad about the actual match, but I'm torn on the finish because... On one hand, I'm happy that Revival got the win because it's about time they got a fucking win. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, Usos just got the win over DB and Roman, and there was absolutely zero follow-up to that part this week. So I'm a little perplexed. Uh, I would have said that Revival should have got some of the wins that they didn't in the past, and then Usos could have got this win. But then again, you wouldn't have wanted to, to knock down Revival either by fucking with them for so long. I just, I was just perplexed at the end. And like, I was happy, but disappointed at the same time. But if you're talking about just the wrestling, what a job. Round of applause on the wrestling. You can't pick that whatsoever. Yeah, and I agree. With you. And again, it's tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling. We're always a fan of it. We always say how they don't take you know, it, take it seriously. I think you're going to see more emphasis for tag team wrestling. And a point I wanted to make going back to the uh, third hour, it, I think these are reactions to a certain promotion that's starting this Saturday in Las Vegas. I think it has something to do with that because of the buzz. I'm glad you brought up that other promotion. I, I got a hot take that I want to get your take on, but finish your thought first. No, that was my point. I was done. Go ahead. Okay. There's I, I, three answers, okay? Okay. Either minor deal, medium deal, or a big fucking deal of pot quit before they even had double or nothing. Big deal, little dig, medium. What with the creative differences you're talking about? Where do yeah? Where do you feel on that? Because it's not. Oh, that's a, a big fucking deal. A it's a big it's deal. A, what do you mean? It's a big deal. Because it's not a good look. No. Uh, this is the first red flag for AEW, 
and I am a little nervous about that because they've been knocking every single thing out of the park until this. Now, granted, to me, doesn't lose any interest in watching it. I'm still ecstatic to watch it. Yep. I wouldn't even mind doing shows like this about it when it starts. But it's not a good look to lose one of your your top three talent before your biggest show. Yeah, That's right. not good. And no, it isn't, but you know what? You learn from your mistakes. How you learn from them will say everything about AEW. Because the thing that WCW failed... at this point, at this point, you got to wonder, is anybody going to give Pac a job after this? Because, like, someone needs to check his ego at the door along with Austin Perry. Yeah. And isn't it ironic that the both of them could be at the bottom of a barrel in MLW? No offense to anybody that likes that promotion, but... I love it. My God, can't even... <laughs> If you can't even make it to TNA or now AEW and you're down there, that's not good. No. That, they have all the bad characters, so next thing you know, you're going to hear breaking news. MLW signed Sasha Banks. <laughs> I, well, yeah, it could happen. Uh, go perform like in a fucking gymnasium with like fucking 30, 40 people in the fucking audience, you dumb motherfuckers. Uh, Get him Jones made a good point, but I disagree with it because I don't think it's going to fail. But if Vince let the people go that they wanted to quit and leave, they would be more than likely to return to WWE if AEW didn't, thing didn't work Wouldn't out. Wouldn't you agree with what just happened to Pac that he is now probably more likely to come back to WWE? And if that does happen, he's probably going to come back at a discount because of what happened? With oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He fucked his name like, up. WWE is going to come out on top when this is all said and done, and you could see that potential return down the line, I think, now. Well, we'll get into that another time. Uh, it would be great to discuss. As no, like I know, but I, just, I, I had to throw that out there, and I was looking for the right point to slide that story in. Maybe we could do a little side podcast uh, Friday or something just for AEW to get our prediction or something. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that off there. All right. Before we go to number one, let's do an honorable mention this week. Mine has to be the uh, Ricochet-Cesaro match. I thought it was a very good match. Sadly, if Moment of Bliss didn't hit it out of the park, I probably would have put that at number five. Uh, what was your uh, honorable mention this week from Monday Night Raw? Anything come to mind? Yeah. My but, honorable mention is not very honorable. What's that? What the fuck was that theme song that Cesaro came out to? That was the most, that was generic option three in WWE 2K19. That was terrible. The match, though, <laughs> was great. But shocker, Ricochet lost. Okay, the action, though, like you spoke to, honorable mention. But the Cesaro theme and Ricochet losing yet again is what killed it for me. But I agree with that being the side theme of the night. All right. Absolutely. And let's go into finally the number one theme we're going to cover for Monday Night Raw. The Raw opening segment now. The best opening segment in years. I know. And people were shitting about, can we get a Cesaro a singles title? I think it might happen. We'll see where they go with it, man. Hopefully it doesn't fall to the wayside like the other mid-cartel. Uh, of course, the number one is the Raw opening segment. show started with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar coming out to brag to the WWE Universe and roster that he is Mr. Money in the Bank. Rollins then will come out to face, go face to face with Brock Lesnar. 
He spewed a line or two about being an inspirational Universal Champion. Heyman came out with the line that you loved. He says, Rollins would wait and wait and wait. Like waiting seven hours for his girlfriend to headline a show before he he could only dream of main eventing. Which was a great (laughs) burn. And of course, that got a little thing. That was the greatest burn since Pipe Bomb. Yep. I think so, too. Since your doofus son-in-law and dumbass kids. Yeah. And, of course, Kinston uh, interrupted and said he wants to cement his status as the greatest WWE champion of all time. He could only do that by beating the Beast. So he implored Lesnar to cash in on him. Of course, Heyman teased a potential cash-in later in the night because Rollins and Kinston were in action and Lesnar was not going anywhere. Now, to me, we, we already discussed this. We thought this was how... Great how uh, they chose him to be the Mr. Money in the Bank. This is the teasing. It's going to get people intrigued. They're going to want to tune in to see when and who he's going to cash that Money in the Bank on. Um, This segment was awesome because here's the thing. I loved how Kingston got involved with it too. Because the thing that a lot of people have been very uh, negative towards his title ring is that, oh, he's still doing the the, uh, New Day. But what you saw that night and then what you saw last night, you're seeing that fighting champion out of him. And he could be that fighting champion while he's doing the New Day thing. You're seeing both sides. You don't have to be the traditional guy. Just, you know, be a blame motherfucker and not doing the entertaining stuff and also be a badass champion. You could do both. And Kofi Kingston is one of those guys that can pull it off. But overall, it was a great opening segment. It a great way to pull, you know, to start it off. And I was in. I was I was locked in. I was ready for the rest of the show. Um, and, of course, they ended it great by the end of the night in that main event. But do you have anything to add about that open segment? Uh, just one little side thing you forgot to mention. Uh, what did we, I forget? For the first time since Monday's thing came out, we found out there's something else in there besides a contract. We found out, according to Brock Lesnar, there's some speakers in there because he was beatboxing the shit out of that thing. Um. Actually, I know what it is, and I'm going to clip this and hashtag it. Oh, I'll, I'll um, Stokely Hathaway. No, Stokely Hathaway, your CD player is in that Money in the Bank uh, suitcase, I'm just saying. Um, and for this, people that are following I mean, that, you know what I'm talking about. For them to have the ability to have Brock Lesnar show his comedic side while still being threatening... And while Heyman's still cutting his amazing line, if you nitpick this, you're just, you can go to hell. Yeah. You can go right up to hell with Ricochet's bookers, as far as I'm <laughs> Because this, for a Brock Lesnar situation, this is the best Brock Lesnar has looked since he's come back. And I'm talking since the first comeback. And he hasn't even wrestled a match in this version yet. So this is putting Brock up there to where guys like us that hated the last version are totally loving this version. And it's so over that you don't even need to have Brock there every week. You just have Heyman coming out like he did on SmackDown by himself. It is absolutely being beautifully executed and another pleasure to see Yep. All right. Well, we covered Raw. Drink. And boom, while he sits there. And yeah, overall, 
before we go on to SmackDown, let me uh, get all the info out while he's there. Um, for people that listen to the podcast, uh, you can watch us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. on Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live under the Go Home Wrestling Show. And people, if you can't catch the show live, you can listen to our podcast, and we'll have it on. We'll have it up later on tonight on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor FM, and Podcoin. All right, so. I wanted to get that out of the way before we go into the next thing, and that is, of course, SmackDown Live. But before I say, before I get into that, I'm sorry, I just saw this on the chat. In the chat, Yum Jones says that was a good moment for Kofi to say that and not cower away from Brock. Yes, it would cement his legacy. I think that would make him a fighting champion, and if it, it would really cement his legacy if he was successfully defended against Brock Lesnar. All right, let's go into it. SmackDown Live number five. Right away, we're going to go into the rematch from Money in the Bank. Roman Reigns against Elias. This one went a little bit longer than 13 seconds. This one went for 10 minutes to close out the show. Uh, I thought it was a pretty entertaining match. Um, after many attempts of distractions from Shane, it wasn't enough as the big dog speared the drifter for the 1-2-3. And then after the match, Shane attacked uh Roman uh, Reigns was uh, getting up a hand on Shane and out of nowhere McIntyre hits Reigns with the Claymore kick enough said obviously we we know what's going to happen we got McIntyre as the new goon for Shane McMahon and it seems like Elias is out especially after losing uh, again on Smackdown Live so my question to you is what do you think of that match and what do you think about Elias out McIntyre in Thank God they at least let Elias get some offense because pretty much the rest of the night he was made to look like a bitch. And, you know, solid match, solid match. I'm not going to take anything away from the match. I'm not even that disappointed by the finish because I get that it was the ideal to set up Kane and Roman more and the stuff with Drew. I love the pairing of Drew and Shane. They've been fantastic so Absolutely. far. But to me, what stood out of the segment, just from an entertainment standpoint, was when Elias was sitting on the chair on top of the semi scene in the Roman. That shit was funny as hell. But at some <laughs> point, some point, Elias has to beat somebody. I get that it's not wrong. I'm upset by that. I don't understand that. But it is what it is. Roman is the golden boy, and the golden boy is going to go up against the other golden boy. I get that. Uh, I just feel bad for Elias coming out of this. He looks like a bitch. Uh, The only good thing with being a bitch, though, is you can only go up from a bitch. So as long as they don't have him running around after that 24-7 title, then he's only going to go up from here. Where he starts, I don't know, but... As far as progressing where WWE wants to progress, I'm okay. All right. Well, again, we'll see where they go with Elias. He's an entertainer. He's a heel. I think he's doing a great job regardless of where you put that guy. He's another guy that is money and in a different type of role than a Alexa Bliss, obviously. But the guy is very entertaining, good wrestler, great in-ring worker, and 
Again, another guy that can knock it out of the park no matter what you throw at him. Um, I thought it was an entertaining match, but uh, it is what it is, and you're going to get to see what you really want to see, and that is obviously Roman and Drew. Those two together are money, and I can't wait to see where they go from there. And Jet Access on uh, Mixer, thank you for the follow. All right, let's go right into the next thing on the list, and that is Ziggler's. Coming expert. out of left field. Talk about unpredictability. From no, parts unknown. Dolph Ziggler. Of course, after the match, uh, after a successful title defense by Kofi Kingston, Paul Heyman came out with the briefcase. Again, giving everyone the indication there might be a cash in. But of course, it didn't happen. That was only a distraction that allowed Dolph Ziggler to come in and attack Kofi Kingston. After the brutal attack, Ziggler came out later to explain what he did and why he did that to Kofi Kingston. He admitted that he was jealous of Kofi and that it was his spot. He was jealous that he seized the moment and took it straight to the top. All of this should have been him. And then he promised to take that spot back by knocking him off his perch at a WWE Super Showdown. Now, it was simple, to the point. The promo was great. They hold him back of tears the whole time. Like, you heard it in their voices. Like, you're like he wanted to cry. And I think it was frustration because he should have been the guy that had that opportunity. Here's a guy that's been around for 11 years. And he got that opportunity. Something that he felt he should have had. Um, obviously, to your point, yeah, KO doesn't want to go over there to Saudi Arabia. I understand. But to me, this was like a great way to cover that. If you get what I'm saying. Like, if you needed a plan B, this was a perfect plan B, I think. And it'd be a good match. Because no matter what, like you said, he's a workhorse, Ziggler. The work he did last summer with Seth for the IC title, great rivalry. Great storyline. Great all around for what he did. I think you're going to get a great one-off match between these two. Your thoughts? This got my dick hard. Wow, and you didn't need Viagra? No, I quite frankly, it came so fucking far out of left field and was executed beautiful and then also yep. had an amazing promo attached to it. It was like, marry me. My dick is hard. I want more. And you know what? It's funny that. He... <laughs> all right. In all seriousness. No, 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 no. They did a great you know, job. It was a great formula. This is like you got done fucking your woman, your dick's still hard, and you want to fuck her again. Oh, okay. That's what this is. This was beautiful. And oh my God, every which way. I was also pleasantly surprised that there actually wasn't a cash in. Because the moment they put Kofi on the stress. I'm like, that's sick. Brock's coming out for sure. Yeah. I'm just going to obliterate him, take the title. But then he just went to the back. And I'm like, okay, that was kind of a mundane ending. Little did I know they were going to send Ziggler right back out there and explain everything, essentially. And he hit every angle on that promo, looked real with doing it, mainly because I think a majority of that was real, but also scripted. My God, this was. Oh. I'll tell you right now, I totally agree I with you. Fuck. Real life always makes. This was the program. Yeah, yeah. In real life, things, when you add it into a storyline, it makes it even better. And yeah, you seem that there was a lot of real. Like, I guess you would say it's a shoot, but it really isn't. Uh, in that promo and the emotion that you got from that. 
it was anger. It was to the point he was on the verge of tears. I got I didn't that. I don't think he was signed a new contract though, because his was up a few months ago. He's. Back. I remember. He's on a handshake deal. He already said that. Because he, oh, yeah, and he just he just finished up his uh, comedy tour, and he said he's, uh, for what I've read, he's going to be doing another one in the fall. So he's probably going to be working on new stuff in between them. But at the time, until then, he, yeah, he's probably going to be doing some handshake. work in the summer. Yeah, okay. he's on a handshake deal. That's what he said back uh, going into the Royal Rumble, and and he kind of hinted at that again in the recent interview that I saw with him in it because he was talking about the comedy tour and anyone that talks comedy with him eventually the wrestling talk gets in there um uh, get him jones says promos are always better when it comes from something real uh yeah uh, absolutely pipe bomb prime example but yeah overall they did a great job with that going from the attack the after effects of it of course the Heyman thing that little unpredictability and then of course the promo now, the thing that we always said, we just said it throughout the duration of this show and before, unpredictability, they need to be unpredictable. We hate it when they, you can predict everything. Dude, we just have two prime examples of where they've been unpredictable and we're loving it. I hope they continue to go with this. All right. Definitely. Ready to go, number three, my friend? Yeah. All right, number three is the tag team match. With Bailey, the two uh, women champions, Bailey and Lynch, going up against Lacey Evans and uh, Charlotte Flair. Um, it, it, it was a good <laughs> to me, really good match. Great tag team match, and it goes along with your point. We we might see a tag team champion soon. Uh, sets the tension between the two champions because of the promo that happened earlier that night where Bailey said that uh, about her being a two belt champion. <laughs> so you've seen a little ten how them two were, you know, there was, there was a little bit of tension. But of course, at the end, the new, the new SmackDown Women's Champion gets the inside credo on the, on the queen for the one, two, three. I mean, overall, I thought it was a great match, entertain, entertaining match. Um, I think it might have surpassed a little bit of what we saw the night before, but that's my opinion. What do you think of the tag team match with the women? Uh, more of what we said earlier, all, all eight women in total in this storyline, because this is a unified storyline. This is probably your most wide-range storyline in quite some time, where this many individual talents are involved, plus throwing in Iconics now. Uh, this is going to lead to good things. Can you imagine just a little promo? Let's say if Bailey and Becky won the tag title. I'm Becky two votes. No, I'm Bailey two votes. And then they go back and forth, back and forth with that. It'd be pure gold. I know they're going to be teasing tension between Becky and Bailey for whatever reason. I don't think I don't need that match. But if they have that match at some point, I'm not going to be like mad about it. But this is set up for these eight women in whatever way you divide it up to go at it all summer long and it's a pleasure to see the theme of the night on the show or theme of the early afternoon but these eight women are going to tell amazing stories over the summer sorry about that <laughs> and the text yeah i'm with you on that now of course i can't see what they uh where they go from here uh, with the two programs with the uh, with these four women. Um, number two, 
let's move along here because we, we are getting really late into this. Uh, Ali and Andrade. Um, <laughs> all I got to say, match of the night, in my opinion. Even though the next one is number one, but it was number one for a reason along with the match. But Ali and Andrade, whether if you put these guys in the program, obviously Andrade is going to be doing the same with Finn Balor for now. But if he was to win the title or if they're done with that feud with him and uh, Finn Balor, this Andrade and Ali, I could see that being a great program based on this match alone. It was match of the night. Of course, we know what happened. Who got the win? You know who got the win, right? Come on. No, I no. I thought you were gonna say something. Oh no, no. Oh no, that was a question. Your lips were still moving. I was so confused. Oh no. All right. No. Well, we all know who got the win. But of course, you know the roll up, the roll up from Ali. But again, I mean, the brutal assault that he did. And I love the fact that they were selling their injuries from Money in the Bank. And it was a focus point of that match was the back uh, back injury from Ali. Andrade knew that, attacked him, thrown him all over the place. But of course, that moment of hesitation, that moment of I'm just going to take a breather, it backfired because he got that roll up for the win. So what did you think of the match? The ma- Like you said, it was the match of the night. It by far was not the program of the night, but it was the match of the night. Uh, get him Jones saying that his boy buddy on TV. To my knowledge, not only that, but did we we didn't have one of those Aleister Black promos on SmackDown, did we? No, did not I this miss? week. No, not this week. So that was odd to me, too, as far as two things that were left out. But these guys threw it down. This was just a match. A great match. This Wrestling. wasn't a program. This ain't going anywhere. This was just a great match. So round of applause, like you, for these two guys. Yeah, it was a great wrestling match. But again, if it was a program, I would be intrigued by this match alone. All right, let's go into it. Uh, there wasn't really much of an honorable mention because pretty much what we're covering is all the show was. So for number one, let's go right into it. Number one well, is... the honorable mention is where is Buddy and Alistair Black? That's the mention to me. Where are they? Oh, well, I guess we'll find and, out. And, well, in a way, if you were to pick one thing that you don't understand where these guys are, considering their talent, that would be the honorable mention. Okay, we'll go with that. I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right, let's go into number one, and that is, of course, Kofi Kingston against Sami Zayn. Uh, they faced off in a non-title match. Before the match, Big E was attacked backstage, and they attacked Kofi into a rage because as he was coming out to the ring, you saw a little more of aggressive side from Kofi Kingston. And I like that. Uh, he came out and put on a great match with Sami Zayn. Uh, Kofi got the victory with the Trouble in Paradise. And then, of course, after the match, Paul Heyman came out with the briefcase and teased another possible cash-in. Didn't happen as Kofi was then attacked by Dolph Ziggler to end the segment. Of course, we covered that all. But as far as the match, what did you think about the Kofi... Kingston, uh, Sami Zayn match, and the little tease of another uh, cash-in. Uh, everything here was executed per- perfectly, too. And so much to the point that if you wanted to use what happened to Big E to start his heel turn down the line, 
being that you never confronted Owens about the attack, even though that's what Big E said, you can jump from this very moment. Or next week SmackDown comes on and then they confront Owens or whoever else did the attack. There's a million different ways you can go just from Big E's attack, and that's before this match even starts. Then with Kofi coming out red hot like that, it gave you felt like you were in the middle of the match as soon as Kofi entered the ring. So from that aspect, too, there was no slow start to this match. It was high octane right away. It went relatively quick, but you didn't mind because it started out so hot. The stuff with Ziggler, the fake cash-in, just everything was absolutely beautiful that was done with Kofi Kingston on SmackDown. And Sammy came out looking even stronger. Now, Sammy at least for me, is that classic case that even if Sammy's not winning, Sammy always looks strong. He is not Samoa Joe. He is not a lion. Sammy Zayn could be like fucking homeboy on Raw, Kurt Hawkins. He could lose 200 matches in a row. In each and every match, Sammy Zayn will still come out not looking strong. He's an unbelievable talent in that regard. So this was a great matchup, and I enjoyed it. I'm with you on every point right there, and and like I said, it, like Kofi Kingston, I love this more aggressive side. I love the fighting champion, and again, the guy could be entertaining because you saw that segment with Big E earlier in the show, that show. But you see the entertaining side, and then you see this fighting champion side. You can separate them both. It's just like someone that you work with that you know outside of work, but when you're in work, you have that. There's a little tension. But at the end, at the end of the night, you're back at home, you're chilling, and you could separate the two. I've been in situations like that. This is this is a different thing, though. But in a way, it's related that you can separate the two, and it works. So, um, all right. So we covered Raw, we covered SmackDown. We even went, we dabbed into a little bit of the Money in the Bank. It is time for the list, and. I was trying to get a hold of you ahead of time, so I did not update yours because of that. Um, so, this is actually relatively easy, then. Uh, but I'm going to mine right away. And uh, this is based out of Money in the Bank, Raw and SmackDown. And here we go. I'll go with mine number five. And please excuse his list because I, didn't, I couldn't update it um, in time. Um, my number five is Roman Reigns, obviously getting two victories over Elias. Two, uh, they were two good matches for what they were. And we already talked about it. So that's my number five. Number four is your Mr. Money in the Bank, Brock Lesnar. And I know a lot of people may are shitting on the fact that he won. But come on, folks. There's ratings. And there's going to be more of it. With weeks to come. So here's my number four. Number three, barely. Well, I mean, she came off. She won Money in the Bank. She cashed it in, was in a good tag team match. Boom, right there. Enough right there. Uh, oh, good tag team match on SmackDown. She's my number three. Number two, Seth Rollins. Of course, he uh, not only won the main event match on Monday Night Raw, but had the match of the night at Money in the Bank. And that is my number two. And of course, number one, it, it seems to be a little bit of a trend, but Kofi Kingston. Number one with a bullet after having a great match with Kevin Owens, after having a good main event match on Raw, but then followed up with a good match with Sami Zayn 
on SmackDown. That guy is on fire. He's proven to the haters that you can separate the two and be a great fighting champion and entertaining at the same time. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my list. Let's hear yours, my friend. You know, I started to write down a few names, right? I wasn't putting them in order yet. I started writing down a few names, and I was like, I want to check out what he wrote on his real quick. So then I went and checked out what you wrote down. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so basically, my only change, I'm only making one change. You're one through four. I completely, 1,000% agree with for every reason you just said, for every reason we've already covered. The only exception I'm going to make is, of course, fuck Roman Reigns. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but I don't think you could even be mad at my number five. My number five is Dolph Ziggler because he knocked this so far and beyond out of the park that I have to, if I can put Bray Wyatt last week at number one, just for a fucking two-second shot at the end of his promo, then by golly, after what Ziggler did, he's my number five. But otherwise, I completely, 1,000% agree with your list, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and Rock and Spoon, 364, thank you. Um, I understand what you're saying, because if I factored, if I would have took money in the bank out of the, like, if that wasn't part of the equation of how I came up with this list, I'm with you on number five. This could have been our first unified list. And, no, I think we've had a couple, but... Did we? Yeah, we've had a couple. Thank you, Rocket Spoon, for following. Yeah, we've we've had that. Um, we've had a couple. Um, but I, I based it because of what happened at Monday in the Bay. And Raw and SmackDown. So, if you take all three of those and together, I think Rubble Reigns was fine. That's me. Dude, honestly... Again, if you would take money in the bank out of the equation, I'm with you. That promo was fire. It was great emotion. Again, like I said, the thing that got me was that he was on the verge of tears the whole time. And yeah. I love that. I love it. So, um, if you take that away, let's go. Let's put it on there as an unanimous because I totally agree with you. Okay? So, can we... We get we, we, we could do an asterisk on that one. Okay? It is unanimous, but... If you take money in the bank out of it. Even when money in the bank, Dolph had the bigger impact than Roman. <sighs> okay, well, that's your opinion. And to be honest, why some people are uh, further on the list than Ziggler. Ziggler arguably could be even further up the list, but the only reason he isn't is because everybody else was so far and above the impact level that if Ziggler did this for two, three straight, weeks he's the clear cut number one i don't think it's even close uh but this just started so curious to see where they go from here all right and yeah i can't wait man this was a pretty good week of uh programming and again unpredictability oh, probably best all around week in quite some time yeah and unpredictability that's the key word unpredictable let's keep it that way let's keep it that way all right let's uh follow up Let's end this right now because we're going two hours in. Everyone, ladies and gentlemen, listening, watching, thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. So let's University get University Crown, though, I would give each show, all three shows, a four out of five. Just to throw that out there real quick because they all hit where they needed to hit. 
There was only a few slip-ups on each show. Otherwise, this was perfectly executed three days for WWE. All I just right. want to add that real quick. Oh, no, no problem. I did forget about the ratings. <laughs> I'm with you, four out of five. All right. Um, I, I'll disagree with you later. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, let's get the info out there and we'll end the show. Uh, for people that listen to us on podcasts, you can watch us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live under the name Go Home Wrestling Show. For people that are watching and you can't always catch us, well, you can listen to us on podcasts. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor FM, and our new platform, Podcoin. And when we're not live, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Go Home Wrestling. He's at D Shep1979. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out, and we'll see you next week on the Go Home Wrestling Show. Later. Bye bye.